close call with a big rock this week on Planetary Radio. Welcome to the travel show that takes you to the final frontier. I'm Matt Kaplan of the Planetary Society. Jaime Noman returns to our show days before an asteroid called 2012 DA14 returns to the immediate vicinity of our vulnerable planet. Jaime is with La Sagra Observatory in Spain, the discoverer of this very near-Earth object. We'll talk with him in a few minutes. Bruce Betts gives us another take on that 40 or 50 meter asteroid, along with his usual update on the night sky, a random space fact, and a new space trivia contest. And Bill Nye will provide more evidence that we are entering a new era of commercial space development. Let's get underway with planetary evangelist Emily Lakdawalla. Emily, great to talk to you again. Although the first topic that we have is a, a tribute to one of the saddest events that has taken place in the history of space exploration. Yeah, so last Friday I posted um, an article about a panorama from the Spirit rover in honor of the Columbia astronauts. And the reason that I was posting something from Spirit is because shortly after Spirit landed, they named some hills that were on the distant horizon for the seven astronauts who were lost in that disaster which is something that people do, you know, they name things after fallen heroes. I find that, you know, I'd rather have the heroes than have uh, things named after um, those heroes. Sure. What Spirit eventually did, though, was Spirit climbed the central hill in that line of mountains, the one named for Rick Husband, who is the commander of the mission. And I think that is so much cooler because that's an example of Spirit... Um, doing something that Spirit was never intended to do. The the rover team decided that what they really needed to do for science was to try and get to those mountains, even though they had no expectation that Spirit would really make it there. And as a matter of fact, not only did Spirit make it to the mountains, but Spirit summited the mountain about 18 months later and took this amazing view, this panoramic view of a whole landscape that had opened up in front of her because she was able to explore to the top of that mountain. And I think that's a much more fitting tribute to um, our intrepid explorers than just naming some distant hill after them. Yeah, it's a February 1st entry by Emily in the blog at planetary.org, and you can see that and also see some great images, including one of uh, your favorites, you said. Yeah, there's there's something that's emotionally arresting about seeing photos of our spacecraft, the artifacts that we built at distant worlds. And this is one of my favorite of all time. It was taken by the Philae lander, uh, which is still bolted to the side of the Rosetta orbiter. It's a it's a European spacecraft that is eventually going to go into orbit around a comet. In order to get there, they did this gravity assist flyby of Mars. And while they were passing by Mars, they took a photo with one of Philae's cameras that shows Mars below the spacecraft. But it has this view shot down the, the solar panel. Hmm. And Rosetta's solar panels are huge. And it just expands kind of into the distance. It's tremendously foreshortened. And it's just, it's an amazing view. It's like looking out the airplane down the airplane wing at the landscape below you. It's its absolutely an amazing photo. It really is. And it's uh, one to be very proud of. And uh, you've got some other stuff that you're going to be posting momentarily. Yeah, coming up, speaking of photos of spacecraft in space, I've got a couple of pretty amazing ones of Curiosity coming up soon. One taken from orbit and one taken by Curiosity itself. So stay tuned for those. One of those self-portraits. All right, Emily, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Senior editor for the Planetary Society and Planetary Evangelist, that's Emily Lakdawalla, who is also a contributing editor to Sky and Telescope magazine. Here is the CEO of the Planetary Society, Bill Nye the Science Guy. 
Hey, Bill, welcome back to Planetary Radio. You just completed a trip up to Stanford. I don't know much about it. Oh, yes. I went to the Stanford International Entrepreneurship Forum on Space Policy. It was cool, Matt. I mean, Lori Garver, Deputy Administrator of NASA, was there. George Neald, who's from the Federal Aviation Administration, was there. And they talked about this emerging space business. That is to say, space tourism, like Virgin Galactic and and the Lynx, the X-Core rocket plane, these will enable cheaper missions to Earth orbit, let alone SpaceX, uh, Space Exploration Incorporated and Sierra Nevada Corporation. These guys are building rockets to take things into orbit. And so they argued in very compelling fashion how this is lowering the cost of all space missions, and that then, in my opinion, would allow or enable NASA, ESA, JAXA, Roscosmos, the national space agencies, to send missions farther and deeper to look for signs of water and life. It's an exciting time. I mean, the Federal Aviation Administration is going to monitor rocket flights. I mean, this is not hmm. NASA monitoring rocket or the Air Force. This is commercial space flight. It's cool. And more and more, it sounds like an idea whose time has come. Also, Ed Liu who, unlike many of us, uh, is an astronaut that flew in space on the International Space Station for six months. No bone loss, he said. Working with the B612 Foundation, which is this organization trying to track every asteroid that crosses the Earth, every significant asteroid that crosses the Earth's orbit. And this is an exciting undertaking. He makes the case where if you don't do it, we'll go the way of the ancient dinosaurs. And these people all spoke at this entrepreneurship Forum. This is to say the business of space. And it was very exciting. He, Ed Liu is getting funding to have a privately built space telescope specially made just to look for asteroids, which have very low albedo, very low reflecti reflectivity. It was just a cool day. And the, I spoke also as the representative of the Planetary Society looking for the answers to the two questions. Where do we come from and are we alone? And now, very briefly, because uh, you're, you're just about out of here, you're headed uh, back to D.C. for something uh, a little more broadly concerned with science. Fellow board member Neil deGrasse Tyson and I got invited to speak to the Bipartisan Science Caucus, which is a new group, and we are going to emphasize the importance of science to uh, investing in science to the economy, that science drives the economy creating new products, new ideas, doing more with less by understanding nature, by knowing science. This is an exciting time. And a bipartisan caucus. All of this is making me hope that things are looking up. Yeah, that we're going to get some things done. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you very much, but you know, I've got to fly. <laughs> Indeed he does. He's the science guy. Bill Nye is the CEO of the Planetary Society, and he'll join us again next week. Up next, though, a conversation with Jaime Noman of the La Sagra Observatory, and it's uh, their asteroid, 2012 DA-14, which is just about to fly rather close to our home planet. On February 15th of this year, an asteroid will pass within 27,000 kilometers, or 17,000 miles, of our cozy home planet. That's inside the orbit of most communication satellites. There will not be an impact, but if 2012 DA-14 did hit us, it would look like a good-sized nuclear bomb had gone off.
We can thank La Sagra Observatory in Spain for its discovery and initial tracking. Jaime Noman is one of the amateur astronomers at La Sagra, and he has also served as its spokesperson. In a recent, somewhat technically challenged Skype conversation, I asked Jaime to thank and congratulate his colleagues on behalf of the Planetary Society. Yes, um, I told you the last time that we were very lucky discovering this object. Uh, we are really, really happy now and expecting this very, very close approach. Remind us of how this discovery was uh, was made, because uh, uh, this was a, uh, an asteroid that uh, many other observatories, I, I think, might have missed. Oh yes, it was. At, uh, if I remember, it was at, at the end of the dark run, so when the moon was still uh, starting to grow, and we changed it a little the the way we were um, surveying, so trying to get uh, shorter images. Um, trying to discover uh, the fastest objects. We were talking advantage of, of the new CCD camera, both thanks to the Planetary Society grant. And this camera uh, has a very fast readout. So this allows to uh, take images one after the other, and thus uh, this avoids that the object uh, can move out of the field of view also taking very short exposures. It's possible to, uh, to detect such kind of very fast objects. This camera, because it's so fast, was was vital to discovering a fast object like this asteroid, now called 2012 DA14. Yes, of course. Um, last year we discovered around 15 years, and most of them were discovered precisely by this camera, not by the others. I think it's important to take this uh, feature of those cameras and to take advantage of them in order to try to detect the fastest objects. Tell us a bit more. Remind us of uh, this story of, of how uh, this asteroid was uh, discovered by your team, and, and tell us a little bit about La Sagra Observatory. We started in Mallorca Observatory in the island, in the Mediterranean. Mallorca has a lot of uh, light pollution, also high humidity because it's at sea level. So uh, around eight years ago, we decided to move one station or one part of the observatory to a better skies in the south of Spain to try to develop this program of track and discover asteroids and NEOs. We had a good sky there, but most of the observers were remotely observing. Then the problem was to try to develop a remote system for control telescopes, but even more important, to try to process processing the images uh, remotely because it was completely impossible to try to download all them and check visually if any new object was on them. The thing was that uh, most of us were traveling uh, in different jobs and, uh, and most of the observation of La Sagra really done uh, from several places. So I'm passing a lot of time in, in trains during the week, so many of the observations and the processing of images and even sending data to Minoprona Center are done from the train. And one thing that maybe nobody knows is that this asteroid was discovered from a sailboat in February. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I'm just trying to think of astronomers of not that many years ago being able to do their work from a train or a sailboat. <laughs> it's quite amazing. <laughs> oh, this is true. And in this case, was uh, fortunately, this, uh, we were sailing during the night quite close to the coast because the problem is the internet connection. So if you go far from the coast, then you cannot connect uh, through wireless line. 
So we're fortunately, they were only about two or three miles from the coast. <laughs> On this night, you process these images, you and your team. What do people say to each other? when they, Do they point this out? They see that this object has moved from one, one image to the other. What kind of conversation goes on when you begin to suspect this is a new object, one that no other human has ever seen? Oh, yes, but at the beginning, okay, you, you see that it, it is moving quite fast, and then you are detecting that the object, for sure, is not too very far from, from the Earth. But at that moment, you have no idea about it, if it's really, really going closed or more or less closed. So it's, it's, it's only after many other observations are coming, follow-up, that then uh, a preliminary orbit is, is found, and then uh, you can have uh, some rough idea about the capabilities that the object could be more or less coming close to the Earth. But uh, the composition uh, in this case is more or less, I remember, is, is as some of the times that we find a moving object is that uh, one of us is checking small crops of, of the images remotely, and then, wow, wow this is, seems interesting. I'm going to check if, we, if it is really new. And we check and, and we start to be excited because, wow, it seems really, really new object. Then uh, one uh, of us, normally uh, through Skype, uh, say to the other, okay, uh, try to start the tracker. Tracker is one of the telescopes that are usually remaining in La Sagra only for two confirmations. And, uh, okay, the, 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 the friend then takes the control remotely of this other telescope in order to try to, to track the object and confirm before to report to Minopan Center. That's Jaime Noman of Spain's La Sagra Observatory, discoverer of asteroid 2012 DA14. He'll rejoin us in a minute. This is Planetary Radio. Hey, hey, Bill Nye here, CEO of the Planetary Society, speaking to you from Planet Fest 2012, the celebration of the Mars Science Laboratory rover Curiosity landing on the surface of Mars. This is taking us our next steps in following the water and the search for life to understand those two deep questions. Where did we come from and are we alone? This is the most exciting thing that people do and together we can advocate for planetary science and dare I say it, change the worlds. Hi, this is Emily Lakdawalla of the Planetary Society. We've spent the last year creating an informative, exciting, and beautiful new website. Your Place in Space is now open for business. You'll find a whole new look with lots of images, great stories, my popular blog, and new blogs from my colleagues and expert guests. And as the world becomes more social, we are too, giving you the opportunity to join in through Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and much more. It's all at planetary.org. I hope you'll check it out. Welcome back to Planetary Radio. I'm Matt Kaplan. La Sagra Observatory discovered 2012 DA14 not quite one year ago. We knew soon after that that this rock that is half the size of an American football field would return for another encounter with Earth on February 15th of this year. Jaime Noman of La Sagra is giving us an update, including a description of how the asteroid was found and reported to the MPC in the United States. You mentioned this this group called the Minor Planet Center, and they're the ones who keep track of all of these uh, objects and, and also would be the ones who would say, yes, indeed, uh, this discovery has been made by La Sagra. Yes, but the most important thing is, is to find the new object and you need to report fast because then uh, you must consider that the day comes here in Spain, the night starts in the United States. 
in states there are a lot of many many good telescopes and, and good teams that are uh, not only discovering most of the asteroids more of the neos but also they they carry out most of the uh, follow-up observations and in short time it's possible to miss the object because sometimes it could be missed also because the first preliminary orbit can be extracted and then to try to to know uh, the behavior and, and, and the capabilities of this object to collide or to cross close to the Earth or whatever. So there really is this, this friendly competition among observatories, astronomers, amateur and otherwise, uh, all over the world. It, it reminds me of a football game, or we would, as you know, we would call it soccer. Oh, yes, more or less. But, but, but we need to understand that as a contribution. It's, it's fun, but also it's, uh, you, we need to understand that as a contribution to try to, to make the goal to, to, to find most of the objects that are, have, some have some possibilities to collide in the Earth in the future. So this is not really, really a competition. And we can compete, of course, because the vast majority of the objects are discovered from the big uh, U.S. surveys, and we are only contributing a very, very small percent of So this is not really a competition. Nevertheless, you never know. It could be, now, as we know, this asteroid is not going to strike the Earth, but it's going to come awfully close inside the orbit of some satellites. It could be, who knows, tomorrow night that La Sagra or some other group of amateur astronomers would uh, discover uh, the rock we on Earth may have to do something about if we don't want to go the way of the dinosaurs. Is this something that you sort of have in mind is during this search? It's, it's almost impossible to try to to discover um, a big object. Most of, of the of the big asteroids, uh, bigger than larger than one kilometer, are most are discovered. And if they are not discovered, possibly it will be discovered many many years ahead before they impact. So it's, uh, it would be really really odd to find an object bigger than one kilometer or so that is going directly to the Earth in few months. So this is really difficult to happen. What could happen is uh, objects like this one, like uh, 2012 DA14, that the uh, sizes ranging from maybe 20, 30 meters to maybe 150 or so, that as they are very small, sometimes they only come visible a few days before the closest approach. And sometimes they are disappearing after five or six days later because they are fading very, very fast because they are small. So um, the real problem is to try to find and to not miss those objects that also there are many, many of them, maybe half a million. So help us look ahead a few days to uh, February 15. What will you and your team be doing in the days leading up to this flyby of 2012 DA14 and on the night of the 15th? Two days before here in Spain, we are making a nice event. Maybe 200 people will come. And we were talking about the, the circumstances and, and the things related to this, to this close up approach. At the beginning, we, try, uh, we thought to make some live streaming to the people that will be there. But we thought maybe if bad weather and things like that, the people will be expecting to see something interesting. Then this is a problem. We also, we thought, no, no, better we make this talk and, and contact with media. And then uh, the next day we go relax it to the observatory to track and follow the event. So on 15, most of the team, La Sagra team, will go to the observatory to try to enjoy this flyby and also to try to make some observations. 
and we have some experience. We are sharing observations also from space debris. And we got some experience tracking very, very fast moving objects as satellites. So we try to, to work with different strategies in order to track with high resolution these objects in order to take some information about high precision astrometry in the closest approach and also maybe to try to do some photometry light core. We simply wish you the best of luck with those observations and in the celebration of this uh, close flyby by an asteroid, which has been made possible because it was discovered by your observatory, Atlas Agra. And as you know, we at the Planetary Society hope to celebrate with you and uh, hope that you will be joining us for uh, some of the activities that we have planned as well. I would be really, really happy uh, to try to participate in those events. And I take advantage now to give thanks to many of the people who are contributing and who are members of the Planetary Society for by uh, their help in our project. And somehow they allow us to discover this interesting object. You bet. Thank you once again, Jaime. And please uh, pass along our uh, highest regards to everybody there at La Sagra. And I very much look forward to talking to you, hopefully in the next few days, as we celebrate this flyby. We've been talking with Jaime Noman of the La Sagra Observatory in Spain, the discoverers of 2012 DA-14, this uh, good-sized rock, which will be coming inside the orbits of geostationary satellites on the evening in Spain of the 15th of February, 2013. Somebody else who knows a lot about that flyby, we'll be talking to him in just a moment. It's Bruce Betts, the Director of Projects for the Planetary Society, with this week's edition of What's Up. Bruce Betts is here with us via Skype. He's ready to tell us all about the night sky in this week's edition of What's Up. And we're going to give uh, somebody Bill Nye's voice on their answering machine once again. Third time for this. It's uh, proven to be a very popular prize. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. So how do the stars look for the Super Bowl, which as we speak is about to happen? Uh, They look uh, bright and shiny. (laughs) The stars are shining for the Super Bowl. What a game, and, what a game. And, and I'm pretty sure at least one team will win. <laughs> yeah, and I, I loved that commercial for the Planetary Society. It did air, didn't it? Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we just temporarily took the name of a beer company. <laughs> we found that that would be much more effective. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm throwing all this stuff at you. You didn't have a clue I was going to do. Like, that's never happened before. No. Tell, me, tell me about something you do know about, like the night sky. February 8th. Mercury and Mars hanging out super close together. Hard to see, as I mentioned before, but low in the west. Really cool if you can see it shortly after sunset. Mercury looking like a white star and Mars like a reddish star. Very close together. And the moon will be above the pair three days later. That'll be February 11th. Uh, You can check out Jupiter, of course, anytime that you don't have clouds looking very bright in the south-southeast in the early evening. And we've got Saturn coming up later in the evening in the east and high overhead in the pre-dawn. Also, want to mention again our uh, 2012 DA-14, which people may have heard of. Yes, and they'll be hearing more about, uh, because we'll be uh, providing uh, lots of coverage at uh, planetary.org. In fact, you already have a little video primer up on the website that people should uh, look in on for lots of background on this asteroid, how it was discovered, and just how close it's going to come. 
because it really is uh, historic in recent times. We haven't had such a, a large beast coming by. It's about 45 meters that we actually have known was coming this close by. So closer than geosynchronous satellites. Check it out. Check out my video. We'll get a FAQ up shortly with some more information as well. All right, we move on to this week in space history. In 1971, there occurred the only golf game ever played on the moon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Apollo 14. Yeah, it's just a, a a lot of lost golf balls, oddly enough. <laughs> Alan Shepard hitting a golf ball uh, during the Apollo 14 mission. It's a long-duration exposure experiment on the surface of the moon. <laughs> that would be really cool to find the golf balls. <laughs> All right, we move on to... Which is taken right out of our Super Bowl commercial, I think. It is. You recognize that. <laughs> yes. The uh, trans-Neptunian object, Sedna, has a very elliptical and distant orbit. Its aphelion, or farthest point from the sun, is about 937 astronomical units, 937 wow. times the Earth-Sun Average distance, that's 31 times Neptune's distance. Hmm. And a perihelion of 76 AU really elliptical it's just a strange and and groovy object and we'll come back to that in the trivia contest ah. and we moved to the trivia contest but talking about the one we did previously i asked you what pilot flew the most flights in the x-15 how'd we do matt people are responding to this very well and most of them seem to be enjoying our new form for entering the contest and we'll give you the URL for that in just a moment still getting lots of great comments too but first let me tell you it's a past winner who picked it up this time Ilya Schwartz in Concord Maryland who uh, said that the winner and this is what most people said happens to have been the X15 pilot named Robert A Rushworth who flew 34 X15 flights then Ilya added one of those flights counted as a space flight. His maximum speed was Mach 6.06, 4,017 miles per hour, and a maximum altitude of 53.9 miles. Does that all jibe with uh, what you have uh, come to believe? Very, very jibey. And uh, yes, Rushworth flew 34 of the 199 flights, so a good chunk of them. Interesting mix of answers on this. I guess not all the sources agreed, but uh, uh, Ilya, we are going to be very happy to provide Bill Nye's voice going out over your answering machine. Uh, we got a number of answers, not answers, but comments like this. This one from Chris Wilson, because you know that uh, Chris Campbell last week, last week, yes, the winner who said that uh, he was looking forward to getting Bill's voice on his answering machine so he could pick up chicks. Well, Chris said, I'm married, so I won't be picking up any chicks with Bill's voice on my answering machine. But there's no harm in impressing a few, the nerdy ones, that is. <laughs> so, Chris, enter again. Uh, we want to help you out with that. Keep your wife informed about all this. What do you have for next time? <laughs> okay, here's your question. In Earth years, how long is a Sedna year? <laughs> I remember to say in Earth years this time, because, of course, we had the smart Alex last time. To, who would have just answered this one Sedna year? So in Earth years, how long is the Sedna year? It's really very impressive. Go to that place you're going to tell them to go to. Yeah, here it is. Planetary.org slash radio contest. What could be easier? Planetary.org slash radio contest. Fill out the form and you'll be entered to get Bill's voice on your machine. Oh, and you have until the 11th of February at 2 p.m. Pacific time to get us your answer. All right, everybody, go out there, look up the night sky, and think about gold mining 49ers watching ravens fly overhead. Thank you, <laughs> and good night. <laughs>
I really watch it for the commercials. He's Bruce Betts, the director of projects for the Planetary Society. He joins us every week, even Super Bowl week, here on What's Up. By the way, the Space Trivia Contest prize for this week is a gray hoodie with the Planetary Society logo right over your heart. Sorry, we've only got a large. Here's yet another contest. Tell us just how affordable space exploration is by putting the amount in terms everyone can understand and maybe even get a laugh out of. For example, Americans spend more on dog toys each year than NASA's budget for planetary science. Much more. Submit your comparison and source at planetary.org slash how cheap. Ten lucky winners will get signed copies of our Bill Nye the Planetary Guy comic strip posters. Planetary Radio is produced by the Planetary Society in Pasadena, California, and is made possible by a grant from the Kenneth T. and Eileen L. Norris Foundation and by the marvelous members of the Planetary Society, Clear Skies. Clear Skies.